Growing up in Illinois farm country, I learned a language that city folk are often mystified by. For example, Bob wire. Bob wire is not a person. I was probably in high school before I learned that Bob wire is spelled differently than it's pronounced down on the farm. Bob wire is spelled B A R B E D. And in places not dominated by soybeans and corn, it's pronounced barbed, not bob. Even today, decades after leaving the farm, it's still bob wire to me. Especially if I'm around kinfolk who call it bob wire. I reckon it's one of those regionalisms that will never leave my vocabulary. Reckon. Now that's another one. Or kinfolk. That's yet another one. Now, how many people outside farm country use reckon for think or believe or kinfolk for relatives? Now, bob wire is not near as useful as baling wire. You never throw a good piece of baling wire away. You hang it in the barn or in the shed or throw it behind the seat in the pickup because you'll never know when you'll need a piece of baling wire. Baling wire is the wire that binds two bales of hay together. Or it did back in the day when hay bales were rectangular bales stacked on a hay wagon and tossed in a hay mound. A hay mound being the loft of a barn from which one could drop bales of hay for the livestock. You could use baling wire to fix most anything. You could use it to tie bob wire to a fence post. You could use it to keep a chicken coop door closed. It was pliable enough that you didn't need pliers to bend it, and it was far sturdier than baling twine. You could also break it where needed without wire cutters by repeatedly bending it back and forth. Altogether, a very useful item. As for bob wire, not really as useful. Mostly it was just used to keep livestock in or out of something. In a pasture, out of a field, out of a garden patch. And bob wire you didn't want to leave laying around. Sure as you did, it'd get all rusty. Then you'd step on it or somehow gash yourself through your chambray work shirt. Yeah, we really did wear chambray shirts to work in. I still wear one when I'm working in my suburban yard. Once you felt the sting of that barb and saw the bright red blood seeping through the well-worn fabric, you knew it was time to show Grandma, because you sure didn't want to get lockjaw. Lockjaw being the familiar term for tetanus. Grandma worried a lot about things like tetanus. She was born in 1898, long before the tetanus vaccine was invented in 1924 and even longer before it became commonly given during World War II. There were other diseases she had to worry about that my brother and I never worried about. Smallpox, diphtheria, and polio. I guess my parents worried about polio, as the polio vaccine didn't come into widespread use until I was in first grade. But I was too young to worry about it. I do remember all of us first graders lining up to take a sugar cube with the vaccine dripped on it. For the next several years after taking the vaccine, the first question I'd be asked on a doctor's visit would be, 
have you had the polio vaccine? We don't see photos of kids in their lungs today, nor kids on crutches due to the wasting effect of the polio virus. Although I have a friend in her 70s with a withered leg due to post-polio syndrome. Now, I started off talking about bob wire and its many uses. And here I am on vaccines. Not sure how I got here from there. But I still keep several pieces of baling wire hanging in the garden shed. And I've had all my COVID vaccines and boosters. Might be time to get a tetanus booster, though. Grandma would worry about that. This is Bill Inyard with Reflections from the River. You can email me at bill at billinyard.com. Our audio production today is by Tom Calhoun. That's pa guy tom.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.